I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'll tell you what, I'm fired up today. I've been asking my question, I've been stewing over this question for days now, and I have not yet landed on an exactly uh, uh, solid ground from which to stand to respond, but the question nags at me, and I want to know uh, how others are dealing with this and wrestling with this issue. Have we sacrificed too much liberty? I know, I know that we are not yet on the far side of our battle against the coronavirus. We do not yet have the benefit of hindsight, or at least it is not yet 2020, but we're starting to catch glimpses of what it's going to be like. We're starting to see the fruits of our disciplined labors. We are starting to see the results of our action, and much of it is heartbreaking. Much of it is heartbreaking. Later on in the program, we're going to be speaking about the class of 2020. In fact, we have dedicated a portion of each week's program here on these airwaves, to honoring the class of 2020. Here in Utah, there are children who have grown up their entire lives looking forward to the fun that they will have during the senior year of high school. And early on in this, when uh, fear was all stirred up and you and I were fearful of everything, it made much sense for us to cancel classes for a time. There was a soft closure, as you remember, announced by Governor Gary Herbert. That was later extended through the end of the year. And we quickly came to realize that because of that, high school seniors throughout the state of Utah would not be able to uh, compete in sports. They wouldn't be able to go to the prom. They likely won't be able to walk across the stage when graduation comes. And that is just a tiny, tiny sliver of the sacrifices and the liberties which have been sacrificed uh, by folks like you and me. We each have our personal stories and our personal experiences. We each have the things in our lives which have been denied us as we together combat this coronavirus. I'll give you one example. I got little baby Piper. She's six months old. Uh, She hasn't yet met her grandpa, my dad. She's six months old. She's eating solid food now. She's crawling almost. She just today has getting her her booster shots, her six-month vaccines. She's turning into a little lady. And because of the coronavirus, uh, I can't travel. And because of the coronavirus, my little baby can't meet her grandpa. It breaks my heart. And I wonder if all of these sacrifices are worth it. Uh, Joining me now on the program is Derek Monson from the Sutherland Institute. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Lee. 
I'm grateful to you for coming on the program to answer uh, some questions for me and just have a conversation about this issue of have we sacrificed too much. You very recently published an article that talked about the job losses around the country and specifically here in the state of Utah. It uh, puts out the point quick economic recovery is possible, but mounting evidence suggests that it's unlikely. Could we start our conversation with you just uh, summarizing uh, what you mean here and what you've observed? Yeah, well, so, you know, I kind of just took a look at, at what's uh, kind of been going on in the economy. There's been a big debate about, you know, maybe can we have a, the, like to use a lot of letters, right, a V-shaped recovery or a U-shaped recovery or a check mark. You know? <laughs> That's all kind of stuff that most people don't really care about. But, uh, you know, the question becomes, what are we seeing out there? And, you know, I think we've seen a few things, such as the fact that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of international trade has been disrupted, and you know, in Utah, some, some around a quarter of the jobs have some connection to trade. And uh, when, say, you're a business importing things to, from, say, Mexico or Canada or somewhere else, and then turning those and manufacturing that that stuff into something else, if you can't get that stuff, even if Utah's economy is less restricted, it's still going to be a long recovery. You know, uh, or uh, if uh, large businesses, you know, another thing we looked at was uh, airline industries, for instance, uh, Boeing uh, and, and others have, have started to say, you know, we're planning for a long recovery. We, we don't think this is going to be a short thing because the airline industry has been so decimated uh, that just bringing everybody back overnight is not really a feasible, feasible thing. So, you know, we just looked at various factors like that and seeing what, what are people acting like on the ground? What are they saying? What are, uh, what is the data showing? And it's it's just, you know, it's not conclusive, obviously, because we'll see it as it plays out, but it seems to be pointing in the direction of a longer recovery rather than, a, you know, a quick rebound in just a month or two. You, sir, uh, Derek Monson of the Sutherland Institute, a, a think tank. Your job there is to look at how people feel, look how history informs us, look how the present day's circumstances are guiding our behavior. L- let me ask you this. It may be an unfair question, but I got to put it to you anyway, because it's got me uh, up at night. Have we sacrificed too much for this? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think that's a, that, that's an answer we're muddling through right now. You know, the, the story you just told, right, of, of your your uh, your daughter not being able to meet, meet her grandfather. That's a terrible thing. You know, like, that's horrible. And and millions of people across the country are, are experiencing that right now. Uh, so, I mean, that's a great, great sacrifice. Uh, so I guess, you know, it's going to be something we'll see in hindsight much clearer than we can see now. But I think there are sacrifices being made, and some... I think, are being made unnecessarily. You know, so for instance, just today, uh, the Texas Supreme Court ruled that a, a, a owner of a salon be released from jail because a district, a state district court had put her in jail for opening up her business amid public health restrictions. A I woman mean, whose profession is cutting hair, a woman who gets up each morning, right. uh, puts on her smock, sanitizes the clippers, uh, and stands up right. uh, and cuts hair all day, does so with very narrow margins, was thrown in jail because she went back to work. Yeah, and that's terrible. It's absurd. That's a, it's, it's an extreme kind of uh, you know undermining of justice and, and freedom. And but it was corrected by the Supreme Court. Now, of course, we wish we didn't have to have that, but fortunately, we do have some kind of guardrails in place. And I think what we're seeing is there there were some missteps, maybe some overreaches, some things that went a little too far. But now, uh, as the costs mount up for people and they start to get a little restless, you know, and you see it in comments from elected elected leaders such as you know Paul Ray or rural representatives who recently were talking about how we shouldn't have gone as far as we did 
you're starting to see some of these things ease and there's restrictions lighten up a little bit here in Utah and across the country. And so I think we're kind of having a, a reconcile moment with with what people are willing to accept. You know, that phrase from the Declaration of Independence, the consent of the governed, right? And and so I think you were seeing some of these things get corrected. History has shown us that when government expands its reach and expands its power and expands the the reach of its tentacles into our lives, that it often doesn't recede back to the way it was before uh, these extensions were put into place. Are are you really confident and optimistic that we will return to at least a level of intrusion which preceded the coronavirus? That's the million-dollar question, right? Look into that crystal ball and and see uh, into the future, and where is it going to be? Uh, you know, I'm hopeful. Uh, I, I'm sure things will not be the same, right? I think that is, is seems clear. You know, whether that's with our government, with economically, with any any uh, aspect, any number of aspects of our life that, that will have changed for the long term. But I I do tend to continue to believe in the American people and our system of government. You know that that ultimately things that, that go beyond what the people are willing to accept can't stand. You know, like, they will be changed over time. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than it should and a lot longer than it really needs to. Um, and I think in this case, what that means is some of these things are, are being corrected. Will all of them be corrected across the board? You know, probably not. I think that's uh, just as a matter of practical political reality. You know, that's not likely to happen. But I think a lot of them will go back to if not exactly the way they were before, uh, close to that, or maybe in some cases even better, right? There might be kind of a, uh, a recognition out there that some things have gone too far, not just during the, the pandemic, but, but going back years and even decades. And, and there'll be a, potentially a, a resurgence of people who are saying, you know what, this needs to change, and there's an opportunity to change it as we recover and open things back up, and we need to have that debate and make those decisions. Derek Monson with the Southern Institute. I wish we had more time to speak. i got to let you go, though, get to a commercial break. Thank you so much for the thought you're putting into this. I look forward to speaking to you again. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to another one of Utah County's commissioners. You heard earlier uh, from uh, Mr. Ainge. Commissioner Ainge spoke on Jeff Kaplan's coronavirus call-in. We're going to speak to another commissioner who has very strong feelings on this same question that I have been wrestling with for days. Have we sacrificed too much liberty? I put that same question to you and beg your calls at 801-575-7668. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Next up on the program, it's Nathan Ivey, Utah County Commissioner, my guest on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. The question of the hour is, have we sacrificed too much liberty? Have we sacrificed too much liberty as we combat the coronavirus? It is novel. It is something new. It is something we have never before tangled with. And yet, in our effort to defeat it, we have given up so, so much. Prosperity, liberty, freedom to move around. We haven't seen our families in a long time. Our regular work routines are disrupted. Physical fitness, we can't go to the gym. We don't have peace of mind. Businesses are closing around the world, some of them never to open again. 
This question has been rattling around in my mind for days now. I've put it to you. I'd be grateful to continue hearing from you. I'll give you the number again. It's 801-575-7668. I've received a few text messages. Again, the question being, have we sacrificed too much liberty? I'll read some of those answers. This one, absolutely. The generation we are protecting fought and died to protect the very liberties we are now surrendering so easily to fear and overreaction. That generation, I believe, would have us move forward and maintain that liberty. My father is part of that generation and feels exactly that way. Let me read one more to you. It reads, I, Lee, the question of giving up too much liberty for the safety of COVID-19, yes. Throughout this whole ordeal, we've acted like we've never seen sickness or death before. The message should be, when you are sick, stay home and get well. If you feel healthy, you should not be punished by homestay orders and mandatory shutdowns. Just my opinion. Thanks, Troy. Those are some of the texts that have come in. Let me turn. Uh, listen, this isn't the movie show. That's on Fridays. That's hosted by Doug Wright. But there is a line from a movie producer, producer Amy shared with me here this morning. I'm going to play it. Uh, tell me if you recognize these words. By holding a gun to everyone on Earth and calling it protection. This isn't freedom. This is fear. That's Captain America, of course. Anyway, if I'm honest, he kind of summarizes my attitude on this. Uh, one of the minds who I wonder how they might be reacting to this question is uh, someone who's become a good friend of this program. We've touched base a, a time or two on various issues regarding freedom and our ability to enjoy the freedoms given to us by God, and that is Utah County Commissioner Nathan Ivey. He joins me on the line right now. Uh, Commissioner, how are you, sir? Uh, doing wonderfully. Thank you so much for having me on again. I appreciate the opportunity. The door is wide open to you, sir. Anytime you want to come be a guest on this program, I'll be happy to have you. Let me put it to you bluntly. Have we sacrificed too much liberty in our battle against the coronavirus? Uh, that's, an, that's a simple answer, and that, in my opinion, that is yes. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing some, some preparation for a press conference the other day and, and come across a remark by Thomas Jefferson, and he predicted that the future happiness of Americans uh, would depend upon whether or not we would be willing to allow the fruits of our labors to be lost to the government under the guise of safety. And I think that, that we're, we're living in that time where our capacity for happiness and prosperity and, and, and a, a free life, a life worth living, is being sacrificed under this guise of safety. And and. Certainly, it's important to be individually responsible for our actions. You know, I, I hadn't gone to, to the office for a couple months. Yesterday is the first time I in-person attended commission meeting for a while because I think we should act responsibly as individuals, but that's because it was my choice to do so. Uh, and, and we have to safeguard those liberties, that freedom of, of agency and the ability to choose to live your life so long as you're not acting in a manner that, that intentionally uh, and knowingly harms your neighbor. And, and I think we've crossed that line too far. Yeah. As we have this conversation, and as it continues for the rest of the hour here on KSL News Radio on this program of mine, I, I don't want to give off the impression that I feel that, like, say, Governor Gary Herbert is an oppressor or a tyrant or anything like that. I don't have those feelings. In fact, we here in the state of Utah uh, are existing and fighting the coronavirus on, under some of the most lenient 
of guidelines and orders handed down anywhere in the country. So I am very cognizant of that. I think, uh, Commissioner Ivey, you made a good point when you talk about personal responsibility for our actions in this effort to uh, not only protect ourselves but protect our liberties. Let me ask you this. There have been uh, a number of fears felt by many which have steered our actions. We have surrendered certain freedoms, certain liberties. We have allowed some uh, companies and government entities to look into our lives and track us via some apps and such like that. Do you predict that once the coronavirus is behind us, once we've developed sufficient herd immunity or uh, a vaccine is deployed, do you think we'll be able to get back to a time where we were enjoying at least the same level of freedom uh, and liberty we were before the coronavirus showed up? I'm a little concerned about that, and here's why. I had the the opportunity in my life, as I'm sure you did, to live through 9-11 and the thing called the Patriot Act. And, and ever since we've allowed that encro- encroachment upon, uh, you know, our rights and our liberties and, and the government's increased ability to, to track us and, and stuff, it, it's become part of our everyday life. But we haven't regained that true freedom uh, that was lost through that. And so I'm always concerned that there's a, a slow leak there. And and once those things are, are lost, can we get them back? Absolutely. But we have to be willing to dig in and, and fight the good fight uh, in, our, in our houses, of our legislative houses, to make sure that, that we do that. And, and so it's important that we have conversations like we're having today where we remind ourselves and others of the hard-fought liberties and freedoms we have. And that as they slowly erode away, it's, you, know, you don't even notice them. It's, it's the, you know, the frog in the boiling water scenario. It, it, it's a tried and true theory. And, and we have to be careful to not let them slowly erode away because I think they're very hard to get back. And if we look in our not very distant past, we see that, you know, a lot of the freedoms I enjoyed, I remember as a kid standing at the gate watching my dad's airplane come in and that never happens anymore. No. You know, and that's sad to me. You mentioned... And I fear that same type of thing happening here. Yeah. You mentioned that conversations like these are important to at least, uh, you know, stir the pot of people's minds and get them thinking about these questions. Is there anything else uh, in the spirit of personal responsibility that individuals can do to assure that uh, we are not sacrificing too much and that the that whatever actions we take are not done in vain? Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. Um, and that's be smart. You know, uh, like I mentioned, there's a reason I had had not, you know, uh, attended in person some commission meetings and participated electronically was because I didn't want to put people at risk. So as we, we move through the phases of this and, and this virus hopefully, you know, fades out into the summer months, continue to be smart. Continue phys- physically distancing yourself from others. Wash your hands more frequently. You know, if you feel it's prudent, wear a mask. Just just be responsible and, and be kind to other people, right? Uh, uh, I respect the fact that someone might be more fearful than me because they might have a condition uh, that, that makes them more susceptible that I don't have. And so rather rather than ridiculing and mocking someone for, for being cautious or the opposite, ridiculing someone for not being as cautious as you think they should be, be respectful of each other's individual uh, decisions. Uh, you know, I think that's something that's maybe been lost a little in this discussion is is the capacity to be respectful of the decisions that others make. Uh, you know, if I choose to not wear a mask, it's, it's because I feel comfortable in that scenario, and I would certainly not ridicule someone else 
for, for wearing one. I think that's their, their right. And if you want to stay home, by all means, stay home. And let's find a way to help you work remotely and do those kind of things so that we can be respectful of people's decisions. Commissioner Ivey, we're going to have to leave it at that. Nathan Ivey, Utah County Commissioner, sharing with us some of his wise thoughts and some of his attitudes towards personal responsibility, prudence, and wisdom as we go forward in our battle against the coronavirus. Quick break. When we come back, Senator Todd Weiler is my guest. He's responsible for some legislation here in the state of Utah that touches on digital privacy and in an era where much of this contact tracing and much of the reporting of data and such relies on the digital world. We'll get his thoughts on that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. Final segment of this hour. A lot of ground to cover. You heard in the news right there that it has been announced the Department of uh, Justice has dropped its case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Uh, likely no one smarter on that here in the state of Utah than Congressman Chris Stewart uh, from his position on the select committee on intelligence uh, I, we have reached out to congressman stewart hopefully going to get either a conversation or a statement from the congressman get his thoughts on this revelation from the justice department fascinating stuff uh, big impact stuff it's uh, important to follow these types of storylines just to understand how it is that uh, the justice department is being run and the type of behavior going on there so we're going to follow that and right now we're going to turn back to this question which has been keeping me up at night it has been bugging me and it has been causing me to to lose sleep and sweat and i have been reaching out to all my friends uh, and family members and even strangers asking this question have we sacrificed too much liberty in our fight against the coronavirus. I want to uh, talk about uh, digital things for a moment. I am a supporter of the state's Healthy Together app. Let me uh, share with you just some of the, the details shared by folks like Angela Dunn and the governor and Jared Allgood, co-founder of the company which brought that app to bear. I want to, to set the stage, and then we're going to have a conversation with Senator Todd Weiler here from the state of Utah, who has been responsible for some uh, for some digital privacy legislation and has some good, strong thoughts on, on this issue. So here uh, we have, uh, to kick this off, Dr. Angela Dunn explaining the, the Healthy Together app. What it's really doing is helping us in our contact tracing process in terms of really being able to identify more readily where a positive case has been um, during their incubation and infectious period so that we can identify other close contacts and appropriately advise them. Jared Allgood, the co-founder of 20, is the program, uh, or is the company, rather, that which put together this Healthy, Healthy Together app. He speaks about the data. Users own their data. They're always in control of their information, and they can delete it at any time. Last up from Governor Gary Herbert, he says some people may never be comfortable sharing their personal data. They're concerned, uh, Big Brother watching their every movement. I understand that concern and that fear. Uh, so I don't know if we can ever appease everybody. That's why it's voluntary. Now, as we continue in this conversation, please know this is not – we're not specifically talking about this app, this Healthy Together app. Again, I told you I support it. I've downloaded it on my phone. I've allowed all the location tracking permissions. Each day it asks me to punch in if I have experienced any symptoms uh, which go along with this coronavirus. And so I'm, I'm a supporter of that. But there are other areas in our life right now which are being peered in on by those uh, with uh, digital powers, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, to talk about that a little bit and also to help me uh, get a sense of his mind. Uh, he's an outspoken guy, uh, always has strong and important thoughts, and I admire him a great deal, Senator Todd Weiler. Sir, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. 
Would you mind? Let me ask you this question to kick this off. Have, in your opinion, have we sacrificed too much, too much liberty in our in our battle against the coronavirus? You know, I think um, my personal opinion is we probably walked right up to that line without crossing it. And I'm amazed at how many people I'm seeing on social media. Like, I'm just going to use Costco as an example. You know, citing Costco asking its members to wear face masks as somehow a deprivation of their liberty. And liberty deals with what the government mandates. It doesn't deal with what private property owners or private businesses request. And so, you know, I'll gladly wear a mask at Costco because I know that's what the owners want. And I know that's what a lot of the other members feel like they need and the employees to be protected. That is a, an important distinction to make, and I'm grateful to you for pointing it out, that there are companies, like you said, like Costco and the, some of the grocery store chains here in the state of Utah who have put in place their own uh, guidelines and their own rules. If you choose to patronize this private business, you must uh, comport yourself in, in this way. And the distinction is important. You are not, uh, you know, you are not bowing to the tyranny of an oppressor if you... Uh, if you are asked to wear a mask at Costco. Uh, how about on yeah, the digital most of us, Go ahead. Most of us grew up walking into stores that, that had signs that said, no shirt, no shoes, no service. I never heard anybody complain that that was a deprivation of their liberty. Um, I don't see this uh, <laughs> as that different. I mean, obviously, it's a face mask, but we're also in a pandemic. <laughs> so, you know, if you can wear, if you can't go bare feet, uh, you know, during the summer, then maybe you can't go into a store without a face mask during a pandemic. But, but again, I think that's up to the property owner. Sure. You are a legislator who has paid attention, close attention, to digital privacy uh, in your work up on Utah's Capitol Hill. Do you have any digital privacy concerns right now as we combat this uh, coronavirus? I, I do and I don't, and I'll tell you why I say that. Um, we're being asked to give a lot of information when we sign up for these apps but it's not government mandated. If it was government mandated and they were tracking us, I would be screaming from the rooftops and pounding my chest. But, you know, we're asked to give up a lot of uh, data when we join Facebook or, or any other social media platform. And I think as consumers, we can decide what we're willing to give up and, and what we're not. And I think that decision is going to be individual and different for, for, for different people. And I, and I respect that. But, you know, if, if the government of Utah was trying to track mandate that they can track my every location, that I would have a problem with. But if they asked me if I'd voluntarily offer that, you know, and sign up for that on my cell phone to try to help protect myself and others, and if I choose to do that, then I think that's on me. Yeah, it's another great distinction to make. We here in the state of Utah, we are in a relatively unique circumstance in which the governor nor any you know, authority over the entire state. There is no statewide order for us to stay home or do anything. And that sets us apart from so many other states across the country. Uh, most of what we are doing today is because we choose to do so, at least here in the state of Utah. I think that speaks highly to uh, both the governor's say, office and the... Most people, I think most Utahns are being responsible and are doing the right thing. I think some, you know, there's always the outliers. I think there's some people who are pounding their chest and screaming freedom and liberty, and they have every right to do that uh, under the Constitution, and I respect that. But I think most people are trying to abide by the rules. And the hard thing is, is the rules are changing all the time. Yeah, 
and, and the outcome of you know our adhering to those rules is not always what was predicted. That's kind of what we're seeing in uh, New York City right now. Is even Governor Cuomo yeah. has been caught off guard. Uh, listen, I wish we could chat all afternoon, uh, Senator Weiler. I got to let you go. We got to get to some news. We're going to continue this conversation though uh, after the break. I've got some voicemails to play. I got some text messages. If you want to weigh in, five seven five zero zero. It's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'm going to step away. When we come back, it's time to hear from you here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. You heard again mentioned in the newscast this news from the Justice Department that charges against charges against Michael Flynn, President Trump's first national security advisor, have been dropped. To get you caught back up to speed, let me turn for just a moment to ABC Radio's Aaron Katursky. Michael Flynn has admitted he lied to the FBI about his contact with a Russian diplomat, so it's not that federal prosecutors have suddenly decided he didn't. Instead, they've come to believe his lies were not material to any legitimate criminal investigation. The Justice Department has determined it was not okay for the FBI to pursue Flynn based on his conversations with then-Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak during the presidential transition. Flynn had asked the Russians to avoid reacting to Obama administration's sanctions, and prosecutors said those calls were entirely appropriate. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. President Trump earlier today at the White House sat down with Texas Governor Greg Abbott and had on this topic this to say. He was targeted by the Obama administration, and he was targeted in order to try and take down a president. And what they've done is a disgrace, and I hope a big price is going to be paid. Chris Stewart, representative here from the state of Utah, serving in Congress, as you know, is a member of the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Producer Amy reached out to the office and asked if they had a comment or maybe even uh, time available to have a conversation with the congressman. I'm particularly interested in his reaction. Uh, we got back just a few sentences of, of response. He's probably digesting this news, and we'll look for an opportunity to speak to him maybe tomorrow or into next week. But Congressman Stewart says this in response to the Justice Department dropping its case against Michael Flynn. Stewart says, General Flynn has had his reputation and financial future destroyed by political hacks. Justice can be slow, but more justice is coming. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, it's, it's pretty intense, strong words, uh, all packed into those two, three sentences there from Congressman Chris Stewart. So uh, that is a story that we're going to continue to follow, uh, likely more revelations to come from it, likely words to be shared later on with you from Michael Flynn. It's absolutely fascinating, uh, especially for folks uh, out in Washington, D.C. These are the types of stories they really sink their teeth into, and I can tell you from past experience, when I was back there working as a congressional aide, this type of stuff uh, catches your attention. It really, uh, really is uh, important to, uh, as, as a window rather, to look into how things are going uh, and which way those uh, political winds are blowing. Anyway, let me uh, turn back now to the conversation that you and I and some others have been having over the past hour. It's all based on this very simple question, but profound question, which is, have we, you and I, sacrificed too much liberty in our battle against this coronavirus? Have we sacrificed too much of our privacy? Have we allowed ourselves to uh, restrict our movements? Have we done too much to combat this? Have some of our sacrifices been made in vain? We don't know the answer, and we won't for some time. We may never know the answer, 
And the reason I ask it without knowing the answer is because what I do feel strongly about is that asking and being critical and wondering and knowing the value of the sacrifices that you and I are making is very important. Let's recap real quick the types of sacrifices we have made. Travel. We aren't doing that too much. Family. We aren't seeing them too much. Friends. We're not hanging out with them too much. Our regular work routine. I have not been in the newsroom in seven weeks. And oh, boo-hoo me. Yeah, I know. I know. I live uh, a pretty easy and cush life compared to many of the folks out there. But that does not mean that my eyes are closed or my ears are closed to uh, what's going on out there. We heard just the other day uh, from Melva Sign at the Utah Restaurant Association. I know I'm repeating this day after day, but I'm doing so because it is so gosh darn important. Because it is an illustration of exactly what we are doing and the sacrifices that we're making. That estimation by Melva was that when this is all said and done, a quarter of Utah restaurants will never again open their doors. Never again. The restaurants that you've maybe uh, enjoying for years and years in the past, that's closed forever. And that may be an underestimation. As I have shared that little piece of detail with other folks, they say to me, yeah, you know what, uh, I bet you, I bet you it's going to be worse than that. And you know what? They're probably right. And you know what else? That's probably going to be the case for other industry. There will be nail salons, hair salons, uh, maybe even grocery stores, big places. Big places are right now in the midst of closing their doors forever. And as I say all this, I don't want you to get the impression that I am upset with, say, Governor Herbert's office or state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn as she hands out advice. I am not. In fact, I look to those people for guidance. Number one, I trust that Governor Gary Herbert uh, has a mind towards getting this economy back open, and he has a mind which is equal parts uh, being spent and used on protecting the citizens of his state. Why do I put so much trust in the governor? It's because he has put trust in us. You know, don't forget, here in the state of Utah, there are no statewide orders. There aren't any stay-at-home orders put in place by the governor. That is a rare thing in this nation right now. There are 43-some-odd states where the governor has decided, you know what, I'm going to use my authority, we're going to lock this down, anyone steps out of line, we're going to arrest him and fine him. Now, there aren't too many examples of those arrests or fines. We have heard, unfortunately, of the case in Texas where the hairstylist was locked up for a time. Well, that's been overturned, but it happened. A woman was arrested. There were handcuffs put on her wrist. She was thrown in the back of a cop car and taken downtown. Why? Because she went to work. Because she needed to pay the bills, keep the lights on, maybe feed her family, keep gas in the tank, maintain her own personal economy. And you and I need to do the same thing. You and I need to maintain our livelihoods because that's how we move on and that's what we do. And we exercise our liberty in doing that. And as you and I are each day losing a little bit of that, maybe not liberty, maybe the, govern maybe the government's not taking this away, but we are making sacrifices. And know that what you're doing is worthwhile here in the state of Utah. We're enjoying numbers which are showing great success in our battle against this coronavirus. But it is not coming without a cost. And always be mindful of that cost. And always be mindful that the sacrifice is sometimes felt more heavy by some than others. 
I'll admit that I'm in a pretty cush scenario here. I've got a job. Yeah, I've got to do it from the guest bedroom, and you hear me complain about that from time to time, but I've got a job. You know, I'm, I'm going to get paid for doing this. It's meager, uh, but I'm going to get paid. I'll be able to keep food on the shelves, and I'll be able to keep uh, my new little brand new baby Piper in her onesies. And, you know, she's starting to eat solid food, so I'll be able to pick up some of the baby food. And you likely are in the same boat, but there is a sector of our population There are our brothers and sisters, our members of our own family here in the state of Utah who aren't going to be able to talk like this. They will have to restart their lives. They will have to find new careers. They will have to knock on doors, dust off the resume, and present themselves anew in an attempt to pay their own bills. And they are in that circumstance because of this coronavirus. They are in that cir- this circumstance because of the sacrifices that they've met. Let's never, ever forget this. Never. We've never seen anything like this in history. We cannot forget it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about education and something called the Matthew Effect. It's one of these rabbit holes, you know, I sometimes tumble down. The Matthew Effect and how greater disparities among Utah students may continue as they distance learn. I spoke the other day to Mary Richards. She shared some insights in her home. I'll share that with you and the Matthew Effect. It's interesting stuff, and it's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.